On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. Away we go, episode 991 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can give us a follow there. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about these episodes. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, happy to be welcoming back to the show, guy. I guess it's been a couple of months anyway since you've been on, man. Chris Hoffley's here. How are you doing? I'm back. I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm back. All right. I like that. Emphatic. Uh, happy to have you here, man. I'm doing all right. Um, what, uh, you know what we do, man. It's, it's, it's that time of day. What's the beer we're riding with here today? It is. It's exactly happy hour right now. So I don't feel guilty about doing this because I've definitely never done this show before the end of. No, of course not. Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) I'm trying something new today because i feel like i always am kind of predictable with my beer choices yeah. especially when i'm talking to you like i love i love my beyond the pale but we're leaving that aside for for today <laughs> and we are going with a mosaic single hop pale ale from furnace room brewery in georgetown ontario wow okay so this is just an lcbo find because or have you visited georgetown recently no i have not visited George, visited georgetown this is an lcbo find yeah. um and it was a small liquor store that I went to, so to pick this this round up. So there were a great deal of different selections, but um, this one sounds good. It's a special edition brew that's showcasing the mosaic hop with its beautiful citrus and tropical fruit aromas. Ooh, light in color with a mild malt finish. Look at this guy. All right, it's also written in French. So at, after that, so it's. Uh, do you want to hit us with that? Do you want to take a stab at it? Or? Not particularly. I mean, I can. I mean, like, you know, my French isn't oh, okay. terrible, but no, I don't think, you know, I don't think the listeners are, are here for that. But um, yeah, it comes in at a nice mellow 5.2%. I didn't want to go with anything too, uh, too hardcore today because it's hot out there. So it this one should be brutal, man. So I'm going to give this a little. Perfect. Beautiful. Yes, man. Nailed it. Yeah, what do you got? This is uh, something decidedly. Not new, um, and uh, pretty well known, I think, across the Ontario craft beer scene. This is the Ransack the Universe. Oh, yes. From Collective Arts, the uh, the IPA. 6.2%, I believe, we got here. And uh, yeah, same thing. Lots of citrusy, fruity uh, mango here on it. Uh, so I've had this one a couple of times, but it is always a crowd pleaser. And like you oh, said, geez. man, 
yeah. gorgeous uh, on a day like this because it is stupid hot. I've been out running around. I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk a little Red Blacks here in a bit, but uh, I'm sure you were down at practice. I don't know how the boys were we're doing this morning, but uh, I guess it's really been the second half of the day that's been worse, but man. Yeah, it was pretty hot. It was pretty hot today too, but I don't know. These guys just get their, like, some of them are immune to it. I swear there are guys out there in long sleeves and sweatpants today. I'm the one who's roasting on the sideline (laughs) on the, on the turf. But if I complain, I, you know, sound extra soft. So you're a picture of fitness. I can't imagine you're struggling, uh, down there, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I'm ready. I'm getting ready to run a triathlon. That's a lot. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, no triathlon, a pints maybe, but, um, yeah, no, it's hot out, but it's, you know, I, half of my job involves being out on a football field. So I really can't complain. Right. I also want to take a second here to let everybody know that uh, later on this week, we got a couple more great episodes coming for you as we uh, continue our march towards 1,000 and circle back and touch base with as many friends of the show as we can. Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet is going to be on the show on Thursday morning. We'll be talking wrestling with uh, Kevin Mickey just a week away from SummerSlam. That's one of the biggest events of the year in the wrestling world. But lots going on in AEW as well. Uh, we were supposed to have Kevin on a couple of uh, a month or two ago, and and things just sort of fell apart. We weren't able to get it done, but uh, he'll be on on Thursday morning, so look for that. And later on in the week, on Friday, Dr. Vicky Forster returns. We'll have lots to talk about with the Leafs, with the pandemic, uh, craft beer. She's got a good handle on everything happening down there in the Toronto craft beer scene, so we'll touch base with her as well. Uh, so both of those coming up later on this week. And of course, don't forget, next week, Patricia Bowl from CTV News is going to be on the podcast. That's going to be a ton of fun. Looking forward to talking to her. I've wanted to have Patricia on the podcast for a while, and uh, it's going to be great that uh, that she's on. Um, look, there's a few things we want to get to, uh, but things that have taken place on that football field. We'll uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But we are in a weird week, man, where uh, we got the the MLB home run derby, an all star game, and then there's the SBs because there's nothing else happening. But for a long time, we saw, um, you know, a lot of criticism would be the wrong word, but like people questioning that Wednesday should be the perfect day for CFL to be on the field, right? Every year we have this one week where there's one Wednesday and there are no sports on. It's like the only quiet night um, on the entire calendar year. And the thing was always, yeah, but it creates a short week and it messes things up. And then we started messing with it anyway. We play games on basically any friggin' night of the week. We feel like it now. Um, do you think we should be like, is that a night you think the CFL should like jump on and, and try and make a thing moving forward? Like every year, this is going to be the annual, I don't know, dark night game or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I hadn't really given, I hadn't really thought about that to be perfectly honest, but yeah, I mean, I think that you'd run into some difficulty with the schedule for sure, just because of, you know, the rest required and, you know, unless you have two teams playing on kind of a similar, similar rotation, then you're going to have someone going on, you know, very little rest, and, you know, potentially in that, and I know the league tries to stay away from, and, you know, even, even still with us, we played on, we played on Saturday and now we're playing on Thursday and that, you know, this week just seems, just seems so condensed. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you could figure out a way to make the schedule, you know, reasonable and, and safe for the guys. I think, yeah, any day you could get a game on a day that doesn't have a lot of competition would be, you know, that's a, that's a no brainer to me. The CFL wants and needs more eyes on, on the product. So, um, I'd, I'd be all for it. No one asked me what my opinions are on the schedule <laughs> making it, unfortunately, because probably have some thoughts there too, but, sure. um, yeah, okay, more the merrier. I think, you know, especially if we get down the road in a couple of years and have a, have a team out, out East and it evens out the, 
the divisions a bit and you might get a little bit more flexibility schedule wise that way. So who knows? But sure it, looks it'd be like, a cool idea. Like the mayor of Halifax was pouring a little cold water on that idea. I know. Or so, but, I know. Uh, I think, I, you know, I'm, without having any kind of knowledge about it at all, I think there's probably some element of just trying not to get hopes too high. Yes. Um, given, you know, the roller coaster it's been with, you know, it seemed like really good progress was being made. And then this little thing called COVID became a right. reality in all of our lives. And it seemed like, you know, any, any kind of major project in any sector kind of stalled out. So uh, who knows? But I think, you know, anyone who loves this game in this league or works in this league or is a fan of it, um, you know, would love. I, I've spent so much of my life going out east uh, a couple times. My family's from from Halifax. So it's, you know, the idea for me personally of being able to go out for, for a game there is, is so cool. But, yeah, I don't I don't think it's coming, you know, in the next in the next year or two for sure. But, you know, you never know. These things can change. And there seems to be a strong desire to have that happen, whether it's, you know, even if it's right not, not right in Halifax. I know they've looked at other areas of the Maritime times for this conversation so who knows but i'd love it uh i'll be honest with you man I, i've been trying to you know when i'm sitting here getting ready for you uh to come back on the show and i'm putting together getting emotionally prepared for yes my exactly man. <laughs> um and i'm trying to come up with uh the questions that we're going to ask hoff and the things we want to talk about and i don't know it seems like it might be a slightly uncomfortable time around the uh the red blacks front office right now or uh, behind the scenes there um, so my screen here, it's, it doesn't have much on it. So I guess we'll start with, Hit me. you, you, you've read any good books lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, it's funny you should ask. Um, I have, I've, <laughs> and I actually, when you said this kind of like tongue in cheek to me, we can start with this. I was like, you know what? I have read some good, good books lately, and I would like to talk about them with you. Um, so actually it's a series. And when I'm, especially when I'm on the road with the team or just traveling in general, I like to, you know, I know I don't want to necessarily accidentally learn something along the way. I like to get, give myself some some brain candy. You know, I'm I'm all for the odd you know bit of nonfiction in there or biography or 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 whatever. But I really like if I'm just traveling and just trying to kill some time on a plane or a train. I love to read something something entertaining. So. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's the it's the Orphan X series by Greg Hurwitz. Okay, no, not familiar. It's basically revolves around this one guy, the main character, who is his code name is Orphan X, and he's basically a black black ops, nobody really knows he exists, government trained assassin that was you know picked as a kid, like a, as a foster kid, and trained in all these crazy ways, and um, and then this program kind of basically disbands, and he becomes kind of on his own as what he his nickname is the Nowhere Man. And people call him when they're in need, and if he thinks they're worthy, he'll go and use all his crazy badassery to to help people out, and you know various various things ensue. But there's like six books in it now, and I just finished the last one, and I'm gonna write a series that's kind of been that much of a page turner in a while, so it's it's fun and it's you know actiony and um, I don't know, it's a cool it's a cool kind of spy thriller for people who are into that kind of thing. Hoff recommends. I do, and part of this this character. Because he's supposed to lead like a quasi-normal life by, you know, when he's not doing his assassin thing. His his one vice, because he seems to be kind of perfect in every other way and, you know, very kind of not emotional and, and straight edge and, you know, a killer. Um, but he loves really high-end vodkas. <laughs> like, that's his thing. And so that's every... Yeah, in every, you know, in every book, he's got, he's, you know, taught... I mean, they, we, the, 
the way it's written is so you know it's it's really well done. So he really kind of describes these these vodkas, which are all which are all reason ones, uh, uh, real ones. And so at one point, I was reading one of these books, and I was in California in February, and he was talking about this one from San Francisco, which is where I was flying out of. And sure enough, in the duty free shop is a bottle of this ridiculously <laughs> embarrassingly expensive vodka um that i bought obviously because <laughs> i just read it like literally that day in this book that he you know describing how to drink it with like you put a, like a basil leaf in it and all this really kind of bougie bougie stuff but <laughs> yeah. delicious so i and this is this is a ridiculous story that has nothing to do with anything but i this vodka <laughs> this vodka is called fog point and basically, it's made in San Francisco, and the the distillery that does it uses their own fog catchers to catch the fog to for the water that is distilled in the vodka. Okay, and that and so it's supposed to be this extra pure, really sure. kind of I don't know, high end hipster something something. But all that being said, it's su- it's like one of the smoothest. I mean, vodka's got a bad rap if you drink you know cheap stuff is basically tasting like medicine but uh, this one is delicious and incredibly smooth and um you know i don't drink it very often because i want it to last because it was not cheap and i'm you know i'm a beer guy more mostly so you know spending that kind of money on a bottle was a bit of a decision but i did it and i don't regret it and it's in my freezer and every now and then you know you pull out Little a basil things. leaf and, and give it a shot. <laughs> exactly. And I do, you know, I've got basil growing in the garden. So it's just like, it's one-stop shopping with my San Francisco fog vodka. I'm suddenly like pretty annoyed that you're not in studio. You could have brought a little basil, a little I, vodka. You, and... you know, and just made like make a little martini or something. It had been but anyway, I hadn't really been thinking, I hadn't been thinking a lot about, you know, um, vodka is not necessarily a go-to, but yeah. um, reading this book and he talks about, and, and like, this is probably like the cheapest of all the ones that he talks about in his book. Like some of them, I'm pretty sure <laughs> are probably under lock and key in some European cave somewhere. But um, yeah, this one just happened to be on the shelf and, you know, had, had to do it. High end hipster Hoffley. I kind of like it, man. It's uh, yeah. It's just come see, come see me at the at, at the at Hoff's Hoff's bar, which is just <laughs> my friend Dak, and I'll pour you some. Can't some wait, fog vodka. Uh, let's get to it. I guess, man. The the Red Blacks sit here at uh, at zero and five as we record. They're uh, playing Montreal on uh, on Thursday night. Speaking of kind of wonky schedule making, mm-hmm. um, look. What's it? How's how are things feeling down there, man? How's everybody? I, I'm sure there's frustration at this point, but the, I think a lot of people, and and you would never admit this, working for the team, nor would anyone who plays for the, a lot of fans would have went into the season, looked at week one and two, and went, "Come on, like you're giving us the champs back to back when we're trying to, you know, break in this new offense and everything." But the truth of the matter is they played them really well. And even coming out of that 0-2, I was like, you know what? Things look pretty good here. I think they're going to be okay. And there really haven't been a lot of big-time clunkers. There's a lot of games that they're right in, but there's we just don't have any wins yet to to show for it. Um, how's everybody holding up? What's the mood like down at uh, down at practice today? I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll say a couple things on, on generally the vibe is that like this year and not to, you know, shit on kind of the group that was here last year. But um, 
this this group this year is really really tight and i've said this since the beginning before we played any games that this gave me kind of throwback vibes to you know, my first year which happened to be our great cup year in 2016 and how tight that group was and um i just felt even in training camp this group gelled really fast and everyone's you know gotten along really well and everyone's friends and you just kind of have that that family vibe that you that you look for so part of that you know makes it so much more frustrating that we have we've had the start that we have cuz really nobody expected that you never want to put too many you know you don't want to get predict your record at the beginning of the season but i don't think anybody staff coaches players fans and, and you know anybody that follows this team would have would have put any money on us coming out 0 and 5 so that that sucks and it's frustrating but on the flip side that this group is very much still together right and i'm you know always sounds kind of like a cliche but i'm I'm around these guys pretty much every day and this group is still you know keeping their heads up and they're upbeat at practice and the practice practices have a good intensity not as much this week because we've been kind of keeping it mid-level intensity just because of the short number of practice hours we're, we're getting with the thursday game but guys are you know in a good place a few of them are a little banged up and that's that's never helps anything but i think overall this group has the has the right mentality and makeup to you know once we get a win and hopefully that's this week to start kind of building on that and they're not kind of down on the dumps and and doing the whole woe is me thing which never helps um so i've been really kind of impressed to to see that and you know hopefully that translates on the field this week because you know i know fans are frustrated but like guarantee you nobody is more frustrated and nobody wants to win more than the guys in that room so um that's certainly the plan and we always say just try to go one and oh you know in a week is the goal and that's that's what the what the boys are looking at right now well it's crazy as you sit here zero and five to think you're only two games out of first place in the division as well so <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's a weird it's a weird year that way like you talk about the schedule and yeah sure i mean it's, it's always kind of shocking when you see the schedule and go okay great cup defending great cup back-to-back defending Grey Cup champs right off the bat. For me, it was more like, I don't love back-to-back against any team at any point in the season in a league this size, so it's always kind of weird to start that way. Yeah. Um, and especially when you start with you know a bunch of games against Western teams, which we did with BC in there too. Um, I mean, it's hard It's hard to make a schedule that, that works, um, and I certainly wouldn't want that job. But yeah, you, you, every year you got a few little quirks along the way in your year that that you know kind of befuddle you for a little while but this one yeah i mean we played winnipeg so well especially in that first game on the road in a really difficult place to play that you know that one could have easily gone the other way mm-hmm. we've, we've certainly had a couple games since then where you know it was a pretty you know pretty scrappy evenly fought games and um i don't think any of them as heartbreaking as this last this past one was in hamilton that one was a was a pretty good gut punch um just again because you know we rallied and we we've gotten you know over you know overcoming this you know devastating injury to jeremiah masoli and and you know getting a young guy in caleb evans there in there and him doing his thing again and you know we were just so so close um so that's you know it's, it all just kind of adds to that frustration but again you know guys are back at practice after one day off this week and, and raring to go and i think guys just want to turn the page and get get back on the field so maybe the short week's not such a bad thing in the situation yeah that could be true um i want to talk to you about the jeremiah masoli thing in a second but in your role as the guy who kind of deals with the media you're you, you know kind of the, the f- before anybody gets to the players they have to get through you first and i wonder how your job changes when things look like they do right now at zero and five 
are you more on the lookout for who might be coming in here with knives out, like who might be looking to to spin a negative story that maybe we don't need to participate in right now? Like, uh, does your job almost become more of a call screener than normally? Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, a, it's a good question, and it, it always kind of is. Like, I'm always, you know, by the, like when you work in PR, media relations, and, and, you know, the offshoots of that, you kind of always are worried about the worst-case scenarios. Even if you're not anywhere close to them, so that's like that's the kind of stuff I've I've always lost sleep over. Is you, you kind of make these plans where it's you know if shit really goes off the rails, what you know what's plan A, B, and C. So I'm always kind of thinking about that stuff. So maybe it doesn't change that much for me when you know things aren't going well in a season because um, I've just kind of always been in the frame of mind that you like when it's everything's going well it's easy like sure. it's you know it's not it's Everybody's you know it goes do fluff pieces and look right and and, on, and, and, and and at the same at the same time the media here is is very fair to us um i don't think it's always the case in all cfl market any in all sports markets in general but um you know we've got some really dedicated beat writers who are you know i think in equal parts frustrated that they don't get to write more um you know, positive winning stories right now. Sure, so it's more fun to cover a winning team. Yeah. And so you're always a little, you know, on guard for my thing is more, I don't want, I never like when I like if there's, you know, a cheap shot or a kind of a low blow unfair or un, uneducated comment. I don't, you know, I'll never, I'll never get into it with a reporter or even have a conversation at all about it. If I feel like, you know, that they can, if it's a well-reasoned point of view, then, you know, that's what they're paid to do. And that's what the, that's what the media's role is to, you know, be critical and keep everybody honest. But every now and then it's, you know, especially with social media, you see one that you just have to, you bite your lip and I've gotten better to do that better at that over the last little bit where you just, you know, you can't, you can't always win. So it's sometimes you just have to suck it up and, you know, be like, yeah, you know what? And, the staff and the coaches will say the same thing. Like you are your, you are your record. So does, you know, regardless of how well we've played in some games and how close some of them have been, we are zero and five right now. And so you have to kind of take some of that on the chin because a lot of that criticism will be fair and will be kind of, you know, around, you know, if not bang on kind of right around the, right around the button. So there's an element of that and just trying to only control what you can control and hopefully that, you know, get things kind of start to go smoother. And then the, the narrative changes along with it so part of it's riding it out and part of it is yeah just making sure that guys are being treated fairly and and you know everything's being portrayed as it should be in theory yeah in theory um so a little over a week ago when uh, you guys were playing saskatchewan uh jeremiah masoli goes down to i think what everyone would agree was a pretty cheap shot and mm-hmm. um can you give us any kind of i guess before we go any further any kind of update on how he's doing yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Jeremiah Masoli is just one of the, like, I mean, I've only worked with him a short time, but just one of the like ultimate class acts in this league that I've that I've come across in my seven or so years here. He's just a great, great dude, and um, it was heartbreaking to see him go down. Like, I mean, it, regardless of what the circumstances were on that on that play, it was, it's terrible when you lose a player to an injury. It's terrible to lose a guy of that caliber and that, you know, quality of person to an injury. So, um, that sucked and it sucked for everyone. And it was, it was a scary bit of a bit of a time there. And yeah, um, Soli's doing good. He had, uh, he had surgery on his leg last week, last Thursday. And so he's, he's starting, you know, what's going to be a, 
fairly decent recovery, but all things considered, when you t- think about what you know those injuries could have been, you know, an ACL or more ligament damage, and he escaped that. Um, you know, fractures are no joke either, but um, it'll be a faster recovery for him than if it had been some of the worst case scenarios. So, starting that, I'm sure we'll see him back at practice uh, soon once he's you know a bit more up and about because um, he's the he's just that kind of competitive guy that's not going to want to miss out on anything so he is he is doing well as you know as well as could be expected right now and just hoping we get him back uh, at the shorter end of that timeline uh when that went down obviously the team rallied around him and and maybe no more uh no more no one more vocal than Nate Bahar who's been in here <laughs> before with you and I in studio and uh stand-up guy and and not shy to tell people what he thinks. And in this case, he was extremely vocal right away, but what kind of hit that was, what kind of comments were being made before and during the game. And, um, that got a pile of attention. It blew up fast. Were you surprised with how much it blew up? And as the guy who's sort of in charge of, you know, controlling the message coming out of the team, did you have any sort of problem with, uh, with what Nate said? Anybody that cheers for that dude, supports that dude, cheers when he runs up the field, flexing and all that stuff, I hope you find a way to sleep tonight. The same dude yelling racist in the bottom of a pile, the same dude who went low on one of the best quarterbacks in this league, one of the best dudes in this league, I cannot, I literally cannot believe what I witnessed. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you got people screaming and cheering for that? I know this place has to be better than this. is supposed to be the heartland of Canada. Everyone's supposed to be hunky-dory and all smiles and all that stuff. That was ridiculous. And number three, we all know since we were in freaking university, since we were in high school, when refs let go for, for God knows how long, we know what happens. It's like the, it's the most obvious thing in the world. You let people punch, headbutt for quarters and quarters on time, you know what the hell is going to happen, and I know I'm going to get fined, and I literally don't care. That dude has two kids. He has two beautiful children he has to support. And you go through his shins and then get up flexing and calling him stuff that nobody should be calling anybody? Come, that's beyond any code of, on earth. That's beyond any code. Hey was in the barn yesterday. He came up to us at dinner at the keg and said some crazy stuff to us. Like it's freaking Friday Night Lights in Texas. Like nobody does. Grow up, bro. Nobody gives a damn about you. I didn't even know his name until we had to see him on the field and freaking point at his nameplate because he just injured our star quarterback. No one knows who the hell he is. He set that stuff in motion at 7.30 p.m. yesterday at the keg on Doondy or whatever the hell it's called. That's a joke, bro. And I don't care. We have to play them again. I'm sure they're all going to be yipping and yapping and talking about Bahar, you're, you're this, you're that. I literally don't care. If they support his ass, they know who he is. They know, because when he left the field, they had some of them said, yeah, we know who he is. We know. We know. We know. And yet everybody's still cheering. Everybody's put up their hands saying, yeah, let's go. Let's go. That is, that is bull****. That is absolutely bull****. <laughs> like, Nate Bahar is just, I mean, I, I adore that man. He's, <laughs> uh, he's just, he's a good player. He's just a friggin' awesome guy and um he's one of our leaders like he's you know he's been around a little bit now and he's a really popular guy in the room he's a guy that i often go to when things you know when things haven't gone well and i need you know someone who i really know can speak from the heart and speak eloquently about something um about anything really and um so i mean yeah like it's one of those things where when something like that happens you go back into the room and you know, guys are, you know, frustrated, quiet, upset, pissed off, whatever, like a whole range of emotions. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I went to Nate and I, you know, basically said, you know, ask him if he could do media. Um, I always pick a couple guys. It's usually a quarterback and then a player or two and the coach. And obviously quarterback wasn't, wasn't going to be available that night. So Nate and I had a quick chat and I kind of knew where his headspace was. Um, I was, I was perfectly comfortable with it. Um, and I think, you know, that echoed across 
our organization just based on some of the comments that our, our staff made, you know, following that. And, um, I thought it was powerful. I thought, um, you know, I was standing right behind the camera while he was speaking and I just, you know, without getting like, I don't want to rehash the specifics of it because really as a team, we're just trying to get past the, the whole situation, but just watching him, speak to that you know speak to watch someone speak so passionately to something that you know obviously meant so much to him that was obviously a very kind of intense time you know that day um i was just blown away I, like i was just you know i i i definitely couldn't have found those words and put them together that way and you know in, in his shoes so i think you know well, that's I, the biggest I, thing right so many of us when you get worked up like that you're not eloquent anymore you're just sort of flowing out throwing out thoughts off the top of your head and whatever and to see how worked up he was but to still be able to completely speak exactly what was on his mind so perfectly was man not all of us have that no it was it was quite it was quite quite impressive I wasn't surprised that he went out there and spoke from the heart and spoke really well and you know got a point across but I was certainly you know I didn't really know what to expect I knew you know guys were feeling different ways about about everything that went on and um but again I just you know from my in my role and in you know any kind of PR job, you just want to you know when you have a spokesperson or someone that's going to speak on behalf of your of your organization, you want to know that that's that's a person that that you can trust to do it well. And um, I really thought he did that, and I think that's why you haven't you know he hasn't spoken on it since, and he won't um, because it's just you know he said what was needed to be said in that in that moment and. Um, he, he did it, you know, as well as anyone I've seen do it in, in, in my time here. Were you surprised that it blew up as big as it did? Because as far as the CFL goes, like this thing swept across social media fast. It was on obviously TSN as the national oh, rights holder or whatever. I, I knew as soon as he opened his mouth that he, like as soon as he uttered the first kind of sentence that it was going <laughs> to, it was going to get some serious, you know, that's just one of those things that, you know, as soon as. As soon as he starts, you know, yeah, maybe when he got, got there and said, you know, I've got three things to say, that was pretty much, I was like, all right, well, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride for a little bit. And that's, you know, it's the same, you know, same thing as, as any, you know, when I, I was behind the camera when Henry Burris had his infamous yeah. shot moment to the camera and I was like, yeah, that, I'm going to see that blowing up my phone in about three minutes. <laughs> and you know sure enough so yeah i'm not a few things surprised me on that front now but yeah i figured that one was going to get some some play and and lots of respect the last thing on the football front um and this is actually kind of away from uh from how the team's performing right now but they're going to play on thursday against montreal and uh you know still very much alive in the division lots of time to turn things around but the road has certainly gotten more difficult with with Masoli down. Can you take us, tell us a little bit about the, uh, and I'm going to butcher the name here. I, I didn't write it down in front of him. You guys have run like a, a ladies training camp day, basically. What's the story on that? Yeah. So, oh yeah. And it, this is something that we've done a few times, um, through our, you know, through our relationship with the OSEG foundation who, who really spearhead this. Um, and yeah, it's the Red Blacks women's training camp and it's coming up on Friday. And it's just an opportunity to, you know, we, we're always looking for different ways to get various different people and groups of people involved in, in football in, in whatever way, whether it's, you know, youth outreach or, or something like this where, you know, you invite 
all the women in the city pretty much that want to that want to participate and um, basically get run through your run through your paces by the pros um, in you know a, a CFL training camp type of environment. So it's a it's a cool opportunity whether you've you know you've played football or you're you've played a ton of sports and you just want to try something new or if you're new to football completely and you want to get a taste of it, um, you know, you want to go kick some field goals <laughs> with Lewis Ford. You, you know, you want to. You you want to go learn from the quarterbacks how to throw a throw a spiral? It's, you get a bunch of the guys always buy in. Actually, a huge number of players um, jump in to be involved in this, and coaches as well. And it's always a uh, always a really good time. It's always very well attended. And Friday looks like the weather's going to be awesome. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing tons of people out there for that. And there are still spaces available to register, though. So you can you can do that through the Red Blocks um, website or the OSEG Foundation website. Uh, we'll make sure the links for that are in the show notes. Uh, wherever you're hearing us right now in your podcast app, the link will be right there if you want to check that out. Um, let's move on to hockey a little bit here. And I wish this was going to be a little bit more fun, but... Uh, Look, there's all kinds of news breaking. It's been going on for a few weeks, and it's gotten worse today as we sit here and talk uh, with a couple of articles in the Globe and Mail on everything that has gone on around Hockey Canada and uh, the uh, the alleged case there, the case with uh, the 2018 members of the World Junior Team, but not necessarily all members of the World Junior Team, and uh, and a, a sexual assault that has uh, allegedly taken place there. And uh, Hockey Canada has settled that. Uh, but then got called to the mat and uh, or called to uh, called to Parliament basically to tell the story on what's happened there. As Hockey Canada is a publicly funded company, gets all kinds of taxpayer money, and um, they wanted to know what had happened. And Hockey Canada did not do a very good job of uh, of making themselves out to uh, to have handled this very well. All of this reflects quite poorly on them. They're seeing sponsors drop away or pause their uh, their sponsorships. The NHL is now investigating as some of those players have gone on to become NHL players. This thing gets worse by the day. And I just wonder, you know, as you guys at OSEG, who also uh, on top of the Red Blacks, for those who aren't aware, are uh, are the, t- the organization that owns the 67s. Um, I wonder, you know, what, if anything, you guys have done in the past and what moving forward you'll have to do more of with with young teens coming into this and and, you know, I, I know you guys do lots of education on lots of different things on social media and how to carry yourself and things like that. But is, do we almost have to go back to the drawing board on consent and what that means? And, um, and is that something that an organization like the Ottawa 67s should take on? Or is that something that has to come from somewhere else, in your opinion? Like at the end of the day... We can't like we're. I don't think anybody's doing enough in this space right now, and I say that as someone who works with an organization, organization like the Sixty Sevens, who do a tremendous amount of work in, in this in this area and kind of the associated areas of of making sure our players are the you know not just the best at like this. This is so like the the athletic aspect of this is so secondary to to this kind of situation. Like we just want to make our guys good human beings and you know any way that we can do and that starts with drafting good human beings so like i've seen so many good things done in our organization specifically starting from when you pick these guys because you know you 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 want good people to represent your team saying that nobody has a crystal ball mm-hmm. um you can't you can't know where things are gonna you know end up two three years down the road so when you see something horrible like what's what's happened in this you know situation um I just feel like 
you know, starting with me and my role, and we always we do get into this every year in, in a variety of different ways. But I'm, you know, we're already thinking about how we can do more and how we can do better. But it really, you know, it just bottom line is there's no tolerance for this kind of shit. There's no tolerance for getting involved in situations where you know be anywhere close to this kind of kind of you know horrific activity. And that starts with you know my media training and my you know player community training that we do um, with the guys and we, we bring in organizations throughout the year and I'm probably not the best person to, to speak to the you know, full gist of it, but part of the expectation that we have for players is to, you know, is being part of the education that we provide for them as a team. And so that does include, you know, bringing, bringing in experts in a you know, variety of settings, whether it's, um, you know, sexual violence, you know, homophobia, racism. Um, we they get spoken to on all of these, and not just spoken to. You know, we we really want them to not just feel like they're sitting down and being and being lectured about these things because I've never felt that is you know a good way to you know for anyone to learn, let alone teenagers. Right. So really try to make these these kind of sessions interactive where you you want to get guys talking right and so um that's always that's always the goal to get to that level of understanding of where the team policy is which is there's absolutely zero tolerance to any kind of behavior that would hurt another person in any capacity whether that's hurt physically emotionally um you know any kind of violence that that could be inflicted on a, upon a person with actions or words. There's you know that's basically the bottom line of the training we provide these players is that there is you know there's no coming back from these kinds of things. Right. Uh, and we you know we just there's no we can't do enough to hammer that point home. And every time I do these these sessions with with either myself on speaking to the players about media interactions and you know how generally to stay out of trouble on social media and that kind of thing i every year when i do it i feel like i can hammer that point harder than i did the previous year right and it's it's one of those things where we still have we haven't hit that ceiling like I, i don't know what the answer is but there has to be a way for finally every young person athlete to clue in that this is going to like, this is, this is the end for you. If you get involved in any kind of assault or, you know, violent act against, against somebody, it's just not, there's no coming back for it. There's no PR answer to that. No matter how hard some people will try. Um, we just have to, we just have to keep drumming that, that point home. And it's, it's horrible that we have to keep doing it. Um, hopefully this situation is going to, you know, bring about a reckoning of some sorts, given, you know, the money involved, um, that things have to change and lip service isn't going to do it. Um, and, and people are demanding it now. Like there's just, there's no other way to go, but, but to improve on this front so that these, these things don't happen. Um, it, it can't just be like this, the situation where it's like, Oh, you know, athletes doing a- athlete stuff. Right. That you, boys will be boys. Yeah. yeah. Boy, you know, we're so far past that kind of crap. Um, that again, like I just, you know, personally and, and as an organization, we just, we want to have conversation. We want to involve the athletes in this conversation. So it's not just reading them the riot act. It's like really delving down into, you know, what respect of, of, of women means and how that just because you're a, you know, fancy superstar hockey player, it doesn't put you in any sort of elevated 
spot that you're above any of that. And, you know, the more players we can make sure understand that, the better position we'll put them and, you know, other people in as they kind of go out into their careers. So maybe this is a little unfair. And to be clear to the audience, this show has a relationship with you. No one has centered out the 67s. The 67s have not done anything wrong. I'm asking you because you work with the 67s. What more do you think can we do? You've said very clearly, you know, one classroom session where they all just sit down and yeah, yeah, put up with it for an hour. It's going to be a lecture and, and whatever. Is it something that the CHL or OHL has to do? Does it maybe come down from the NHL that the PA maybe comes in and starts to give some of these whatever workshops, whatever you want to call them with potential draftees earlier? Like, is there anything more that can be done or is there a certain amount of um, you know, we're doing all we can. And sometimes in any walk of life, there's just a couple of shitheads and, you know, that's a very unsatisfying answer, right? That there's just always, gonna be assholes, I, think, but. I think it's a little bit, of, I think it's a little bit of both. I think there is more that can be done starting at the highest levels. And I'm not entirely sure what the highest level is, but yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, league leagues and lower level leagues tend to follow suit of the big leagues. Right. So I think at the end of the day, it just has to be, actual legitimate zero tolerance and like i'm not talking about like a you know 10 game suspension in the nhl or whatever for yeah. for you know an allegation of of whatever i don't want to you know sure defame anyone with like a random made-up scenario but um i just like you know that in the in this case of you know an alleged sexual assault and you know once that gets past the allegation stage and you have your investigation if that is when that's becomes the case of what happened that's like you know expulsion for whatever league yeah. play in like that's it yeah like there shouldn't like this you know we're talking about you know mostly adults or young adults or you know older teenagers like there's you, you understand you have you you're capable of coming to that understanding your brain is developed enough to know <laughs> that you know sexual assault bad yes yeah you know so like it's not that's not a that's not a complicated concept to me um, and so I think, you know, when you cross that line, the punishments just need to be more severe across the board. Yeah. And I don't know specifically what, you know, again, just speaking from my experience working for, you know, two, you know, a professional football team and, a, and an OHL team, both of which, you know, fortunately I've never had to deal with these situations because I've been fortunate enough to work with teams full of good people, um, in my, in my career so far, but, um, I think any league of any sport has to have, you know, basically a kill switch. Like you hit that. Yeah. This is the point of turn. You're not cross that line and that's, and that's it. And, you know, obviously it's easier than easier said than done because of, you know, everyone there's, you know, talk about too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to making decisions like this. But um, yeah, just, I think the only way you're going to ever fix it completely is to make sure the punishment is as dramatic and you know bad as close to possible as the act was that the you know was being discussed like it's just to me if you know if it was my you know i have a i have a 19 year old sister and like you know if, if anything god forbid ever happened to her in any kind of violent way i i would want you know, it's like, like, you know, talking about legal action and all that, but like, damn right. I wouldn't want them ever being able to play the sport they played oh, ever. Of course. 
go back so, and make your millions because you get good at playing a game. But. Yeah, and I believe that you know across the board in any again any kind of league or place where large groups of people are involved and there's you know this perceived hierarchy of you know of people in, in, in that group and, you know, someone gets taken advantage of there's, you know, there's no room for that anymore. We're past, we should be past this as a society. And, you know, I don't know what the, the final solution to that is, but I, I think the bottom line is harsher penalties, whatever the situation may be. Well, I appreciate you, uh, indulging in that unpleasantness with me for a second. I thought it was important to address here. I think it has to, I think it has to be addressed. You know, it has to be talked about more again, you know, it goes to this whole point of education and, and, and then, you know, you, if you're going to punish people severely, you have to provide the education. Like you have to feel like you've done, you know, your part to, to say when that actually happens, like, no, you know what, this person was given every tool possible to not find their career and ended up in this way, but they didn't go down that road. So, Bye-bye. Couldn't agree more. Uh, let's lighten things up just quickly before we get you out of here. Uh, your Ottawa Senators have had quite the uh, the couple of weeks. If you want to gloat or dance or <laughs> anything, uh, I'll try not to cut you off before you do. It's been glorious. Um, I mean, so like, yeah. what can you what can you say? Like, it's such a one eighty over you know what we've seen. Like, I, I say this as someone who's been a fan of the Sens since I was. You know, a young kid like I was. You know, there was I was seven or eight when they came into the league and indoctrinated. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've, I've, I mean, I was never a Leafs fan though. So, like, um, but it, you know, there's been some good years. There have been some really, really not so good years and frustrating years, and it's just fun to see. You know, as much fun as it is to see that the team's going to, you know, hopefully be good again, it's really fun to see how happy it makes the fan base here. Cause, That's actually you know, been the worst part, to be honest it's, with you. Yeah, it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, for you. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to watch people who love their team so much just, you know, not get anything out of it, which I imagine. I also am familiar like with that phenomenon. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I like, I, you know, hats off to, to Pierre Dorian. He's, he's really stepped up and made some key acquisitions and deals without spending an insane amount. I mean, relatively you're still paying Claude Giroux six and a half a year, but it's still like they, you know, bit like market value. It's market it's value a, yeah. It's a good, it's a good deal. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I think, you know, I don't want, I'm not, I'm not a lunatic, like Stanley cup aspirations this year might still be a little, might, you know, be a little over the top, but I think this team suddenly went from a playoff, bubble team to you know like a legitimate mid-conference yep kind of player at least does this do anything um like obviously it's been great for the the franchise and the fan base and everything to see um you know how excited and how reinvigorated everybody's been and i have seen multiple people on my timelines those poor poor souls that are putting receipts up they they're back they have bought you know 10 game yeah. packs or season tickets or whatever, which has always been the theory that if you show us you're serious and you're back into this, I'll come back and support you. Um, you know, we've also heard news about the new arena. Like, is there, can this build and on top of itself and, and even like start to benefit the 67s and the rebel? Like, does this reinvigorate a city into like, yeah, I want to start doing this stuff again. Oh, coming out of COVID, right? Like a hundred percent, I think. And I think, you know, just seeing from my perspective, how our relationship is, has really, you know, been good with the sends for the, for the last while. And, um, you see, you know, Tyler Boucher 
playing for us now and that you know gives you that really close connection to the to the Sens and and brings Sens fans to our games to see you know this this prospect do his thing um and you really should come see Bush play if you haven't seen him as a 67 yet while well, he's here this year because he is a man among boys at times in that league and he's <laughs> he's fun to watch so um yeah i think i think if the you know if you're in a city with an nhl team and other sport properties i think it can't hurt ever that that team starts to generate excitement you know more excitement than it has in a long time because i think that just reverberates down and you know the 67 still remain a great very affordable option to watch high-end you know up-and-coming talent in this you know that are with a straight shot to the nhl or you know ish you know depending if you stop in the american league first but you know it's um it's you know you can see that growth and you can follow prospects by following the the junior league so i think None of that can hurt, and you know we'll we'll see what happens. But um, it's certainly an exciting time, and hopefully, you know both of our teams are firing on all all cylinders this this hockey season, and be be fun to have have you know playoffs for both, for both sides, both teams. You know, just have that huge Ottawa party where we all sit around and cheer and shit talk the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. That sounds like a lot of fun for. For all of us, yes, we'll we'll enjoy that. Hoff, appreciate you, man. Always uh, can't thank you enough for making the time, and uh, we owe you a pint of makeup for. Uh, we'll get you back in studio here for the next one. Great chatting, as uh, always. That's Chris Hoffley from the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. He's on Twitter at Chris Hoffley. He is on Instagram at Hoff on Sports, where you can see uh, lots of pictures of a very small dog doing fun things. Quick reminder before we get out of here, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet will be back on the podcast on Thursday morning. We'll be talking wrestling. And on Friday, our friend Dr. Vicki Forster will be back. Lots to get to with her as well. Uh, Chris Hoffley, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll catch you all on the next episode of Talking Audio. How was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.